floor. trying to give me, if it's him giving it to me, or if it's just me making it up in my head. Um, and I'm sure other people have that problem as well. But uh, what we're going to be reading is, in my Bible, it's titled, The Man with the Measuring Line. It's Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I lifted up mine eyes again and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof and what is the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls, for the multitude of men and cattle therein. For I, saith the Lord, will be unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. And I know there's a lot of different ways that people can take this and it can be used for a lot of different circumstances, I guess. But the particular circumstance that I feel like he's given me tonight is to picture yourself as a city and picture God as that wall that he talks about. Um, I have talked about this before in our women's group a long, long time ago when we first started this. Um, and for some reason he put it back on my heart tonight. I didn't particularly talk about the same thing I want to talk about tonight, but it was the same scripture and a little bit of the same stuff, but but what's on my heart is that we're constantly measuring ourselves against other people um, or other cities, if you want to use yourself from the standpoint of the city. Thinking, is our city big enough? Is it fancy enough? Do people like our city when they come to it? Um, sometimes we'll compare our city to other people's cities, maybe that they're filled with the Spirit and you wasn't filled with the Spirit that night or that they were included and you were not included. They got something new and you didn't get it. And all of those things are lies from the devil. He puts them in your mind. And uh, I'm going to reference several verses. Y'all don't have to turn there, but the first verse I'm going to reference is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And it says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commit themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. A lot of times uh, in my certain position, I think things in my mind and I build it up bigger than it really is and it's just a big mess. Like it just turns out to be a big mess. But if we hold in these things, the devil thrives off this. Um, he builds it up. He makes it seem like it's more than it really is. Um, once we just open those walls and confess our faults, the devil loses that power. He don't have that to hold over your head anymore. He'll try to convince us, like right now, that you're silly for saying it, that people now think that you just look goofy, but that's not the case. 
that's right. In fact, and yeah. I, I was talking to Mason about him picking me to do the first part, and I was worried about what I had because I felt like it was a lot that needed to be said, and maybe that I wasn't the person that needed to be saying it. I was the one that needed to be hearing it. Uh, but I also knew that this is what God had put on my heart, and He wouldn't have put it there if I didn't need to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Verse 5, particularly, I want to go through. He says that the Lord will be that wall of fire about us and the glory in the midst of us. And all we have to do is just open our heart to Him and put Him right in the center of us. And it will be like we're wearing His armor at all times. It'll be as if we're walking around with a fireball around us, completely bouncing the devil off every time He touches us or something. We just got that ball of fire around us like His armor. Um, so this past week I did a devotion on insecurity because I'm a very insecure and very worrisome person. Uh, everybody already knows that. <laughs> but it, it got me thinking because it, it told me to write down three things that I was insecure about myself. And then that got me thinking um, that we should write down three things that keep us from being close to God, that keep us from growing closer to God or growing closer to our church family or anything like that. Basically just lies that the devil will tell you. So I've done this myself and I'm challenging y'all to do it too. I'm going to leave these papers up here and don't get it after I'm done. Wait till the end of church because I don't want y'all doing it while Brian's preaching. So I'm going to leave them up here and uh, um, take one if you want to. You don't have to. But I made them small because I thought when I once I go through it you'll kind of understand more. But I'm going to share mine with y'all because I feel like that's what I need to do. Um, I feel like in James chapter 5, it tells you to confess your faults to everybody. So what it is, um, is write down three things, whether it be a thought that you've thought of, a lie that the devil's told you, an insecurity maybe in your personal life or something like that, a problem. It can be religious, personal, or whatever it may be. You'll know. It'll come to you, and you'll know. Um and then what I want you to do is I want you to search through God's word for a verse that will override and trump what you just wrote down. And I want you to keep this on you in your wallet, keep it in your purse, whatever. When you think of that, I want you to read that and just tell the devil to get away from you. Because that's all he's trying to do is get in your head. That's good. And I want you just to tell him to move on because God is on your side. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, he says that not even a sparrow falls that he doesn't know about. That's right. So that problem that you're facing or that thought that you have, God is enough to fix it, and you are worth it to him. Um, on my three things, I've been really focused about those three things because I don't want it to sound like I'm a non-believer or anything like that. I just am really nervous about this. But um, I'm going to share my three with y'all in hopes that it maybe will help you to find what, what you need to write on yours. And I'll probably get emotional because I've been emotional all day. But the first one is that that come judgment day, my record might be rejected due to lack of works for Christ or because maybe I'm not truly saved. But my verse that's going to trump that is John 3.16. And it said, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, yeah. that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And I know that I believe, right. and I know that I'm saved. Amen. Bless the Lord. My second thing is that when I get to heaven, that I won't know Mason or the kids or my family, and that I shouldn't even worry with being saved because the people I care about the most will not actually know me over there. 
And this one was a little hard for me. I talked to Mason about it, and I put a bunch of question marks inside of it. And I've read a lot in it. So if anybody has any verses they want to share with me on this one, I'll greatly appreciate it. I'll listen to it. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, about David's son, it says, But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So there, from what my understanding is that David's saying, his son's not going to return on here to him, but one day he's going to go there with him. He's going to go there with his son. And I may perceive this wrong. Um, like I said, I'm not very biblically smart, but I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to learn. And like I said, he gave yeah. it to me for a reason. Bless your Lord. My second verse for that particular one is John 14, 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. And what I got from that was that right now I really don't need to be worried with that. Uh, right now I need to be worried with uh, doing works for God and knowing that I'm saved and living the life that he has for me. And when that time comes, it'll be okay. Everything will be okay, and I'll believe what's supposed to be. My third thing is that I'm not enough and that people don't like me because I can come off as pretty sometimes for some people. But basically, to sum that whole number three up, is that I care too much about what other people think. I care what the worldly people think. In Galatians 1.10, says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be a servant of of Christ. Amen. And another verse I have for that particular one is Psalms 139 14. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. So when I'm putting down on myself and when I'm worrying about what other people think, I'm putting down on God because he created me. That's right. Amen. In his image. There's another verse and I had it wrote down. I had like a bunch of pages of notes. Uh, Psalms 139, 14. No, that was the other one. I don't know what verse it was, but it's the one that talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made. And he knew me before I knew me, before my parents knew me. That's he right. knew me before Amen. I was in my mother's womb. That's right. And that's all I have. And I'll turn it over to Brian if anybody has anything they want to add or say. And I'll leave these papers here. That's so good. Amen. That's good. Anybody else got anything you need to share? This thing we measure ourselves to other people. You know, that reminded me of the, uh, the woman that committed adultery, but then standing around and judging her. So, you know, that's sometimes that's what we do. We see people out in this world, we judge them. Mm -hmm. You know, it ain't up for us to judge them what they do. You know, they're the ones walking in their own way. And you know, we should always, all we should have to do is, you know, pray for them. Whether it be someone walking in sin, you know, the where this world is, you know, they're burn, trying to burn it down and tear the cities apart. Doctor you know, Seuss Treasury. Thinking they're a man, by, thinking themselves as a woman or vice versa, or they're gay, or mm -hmm. you know, they, they try to make us believe in that. You know, it's not what the Bible says. It says what that is an abomination. You know, that's right. Whether whether we judge them or not, it's not. You know, like I said, it's not for us to do. We can pray for them and hopefully they, they find their way before the world ends. And, and the way it's going, we never know how close it is. Amen. Yeah. So y'all continue to pray for me that I mean, that I might not 
do that, you know. And I, I seen somebody at Walmart, and, you know, I seen him and I didn't know whether which one he was. Thinking he was a dude, and you can't tell nowadays. That's right. And I sat there and kind of stretched, stretched him because the way he stood, you know, and I couldn't tell nothing. things I'll say on what she mentioned. Number one, if you feel like you're speaking to yourself, probably are in the right place. Because I've never preached a message. The Lord didn't preach to me first. That's right. And I, and I needed it. Uh, and then I'll say, Jesus told the, uh, the thief on the cross, he said, today, thou shalt be with me. Right. And sometimes I think we think about going to heaven and somehow know that that's going to change uh, who we are. And, and the scripture I think that bothers people is it says there'll be no given in, in marriage. And then that's the part where we'll get kind of a little tore up on that. But what we miss is, is that we will be us. He said, Thou will be with me in paradise. And that's not somebody else, it'll just be the perfect version. It's the ultimate version of who you are that will be in heaven. As far as what we remember about this life, I don't know about that. But I do know that marriage on this earth is a picture of what's coming. Right? I mean, he, that, he uses marriage as a picture of being totally conformed in Christ. And, and so I know that it's going to be perfect in God's eyes. And, uh, and I know he's going to make it right for us. Everything there is is really for our benefit. Uh, and so sometimes I wonder, what does that mean? But it's for my benefit, and if the Lord knows my best benefit, it'd be okay. And uh, and sometimes we just have to trust the Lord with that. Anybody else got anything you need to do or say? Miss uh, Lord Christ, is, just after he's been baptized and he's taken and tempted, issues little papers she was uh, talking about where you wrote your fault or your insecurity or, or whatever kept you from getting close to God and then you write scripture down to counteract that and that's that's good and, and I, I saw she was telling me fill me in on some of this when I was at home and we were getting ready to go because I knew I would get to listen a lot because I was watching the baby but it made me think of some that scripture there in the fourth chapter of Matthew where Christ was tempted and we all know the story he's tempted three times but if you look uh, where it said it said that uh, the devil took him up to uh, or the devil went to him and told him to turn rocks into bread Yeah. and then Christ answered back uh, it is written man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God and the second thing he done was he took him uh, on the pinnacle point of the temple and told him to jump off that God would save him. Yeah. And then he said, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the third thing he done is he took him up to a, the highest mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and everything that the world contained and everything that you could have. Yeah. And Christ told him, He said, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone shalt thou serve. So uh, Christ, in his time, Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the one that we serve, yeah. the one that saved us in his time of temptation, yeah. 
He fired back in Scripture. That's right. And that's that's how we're supposed to react. Amen. Uh, to to things that that may get us away from the Lord or discourage us is fire back with Scripture. Amen. And you can't fire back with Scripture unless you're in the Scripture. Amen. You have to read your Bible and you have to study. And I know you'll hear preacher after preacher tell, well, y'all don't read your Bible and you don't do this and you only read it on Sunday and you don't read it the rest of the week. Uh, and, and I know we hear that a lot. But if you're going to go through this world and try to live for Christ and, and, and come upon these battles that he says we're going to be in, and he says it's a battle, it's a, it's a fight, you, you have to know Scripture. You have to know his word mm-hmm. and what he says. Yeah. Uh, when Keisha was talking about knowing uh, that you, you would know your husband or your wife or, or your children, uh, when we get to the other side, uh, my initial thought was that the Lord, he'll take care of that because it's a place of, parad- it's, it's a place of paradise and, and perfectness. Mm-hmm. And Christ will be there. And Christ is perfect. And there is no other thing like him. Yeah. Uh, so in, in Christ, everything is made perfect. Amen. Uh, so I don't think I don't think I'm gonna have to worry about uh, knowing my wife as my wife and my children as my children. Uh, I believe the Lord's gonna take care of that in the way that that needs to be taken care of. Amen. Uh, and then I thought about that scripture that she read right there. Uh, when David lost his son with Bathsheba. Uh, it said that David, uh, when the child was dying, that David went to the temple and ran his clothes off and, and weeped and cried mm-hmm. and weeped and cried while the child was still alive. Yeah. And then when the child died, it mm-hmm. says that he rose up and walked out and, right. and shook dust off of him and went on. Yeah. And the priest come to him and said, well, what, why, why are you okay now mm-hmm. uh, that the child is dead? But when he was still alive and you could have been with him, you wept. Yeah. And he said, the verse that she read, he said, I, there's nothing I can do now. Yeah. Uh, he is with the Lord, and, and he can't come back to me. Mm-hmm. But he said, I can go to him. Amen. And, and that's that's an awesome picture of the understanding that David had Amen. of who God is and how God can take care of things. Uh, David said, it, you know, his son was dying, and he knew that he had sinned, and he was probably thinking that was his punishment mm-hmm. right there. But he knew that that child would go to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that child would be taken care of. And even though it, we may not all, we may not be children in heaven, we'll all be adults in our perfect bodies, our perfect form. That's, that's what I believe. Uh, like Brian said, the perfect versions of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, David believed that he, when he got there, he would know his son. Yeah. That I, and I believe, I believe I'll know. I'll know Brian and I'll know Matt, but I won't see Brian or Matt like I see him now, because yeah, we'll be something totally different and Amen. something that our minds can't even fathom. That's right. Uh, you know, we try to think about these things uh, about how it's going to be up there, and we we can we can read the scripture and recall that we're going to get a new body and a new name, and we can think about that, but we're not even coming close to scratching the surface of what it's really going to be like. Uh, Christ said there's no pain and there's no sorrow that in Revelations it said he would wipe the tears away from our eyes. So I, I trust in him. Amen. That when I get there, that he's going to take care of it all. Yeah. I ain't got to worry about if I'm going to know Whitley when I get there. 
he's going to handle it for me. Yeah. Uh, he's going to say any kind of sad thing that I can experience here. Yeah. It ain't going to be there. Yeah. All the pain, grief, sorrow, uh, regret, anything that you can feel on this earth that sin brings on and, and, and that this body brings to you, you won't experience it there. Yeah. Christ said you wouldn't. Yeah. You would. I believe that the only sorrow or guilt or shame that you're going to feel when you get there is on the judgment day. When you have to look at the things that you've done, and, and then you're standing in front of God Almighty, and Christ has yeah. to plead your case. I believe that's the yeah. only time that you will feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. But Christ, but Christ has saved you, and He He pleads your case, and then after that, it's 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 no more pain, no more sorrow, Amen. no more tears. Amen. It's all handled. Amen. Amen. I love Him, and I, I thank Him for for His Scripture. And you know, there's a lot of things in this book right here that I don't understand. There's a lot of things that, that make me think real deeply. There's some scripture that I study out that I just don't really got the 100% meaning of. Uh, some things that I'm unsure about. But I can, there's one thing that I am sure of, and that's, that's Christ saved my soul. Amen. And then when I die, that he is going to take my soul. And then I'm going to go to that judgment day, and then He's going to plead my case. Amen. And then I'm going to go to heaven. Amen. And and the, and the the things that I couldn't figure out down here, uh, me and Him will work them out together up there. Amen. And it'll be good. Amen. It'll be good. We fight so much about little things that we can't figure out, and wear green shoes or wear red shoes. We fight about those things, but in, in all of it, it really doesn't matter. Small. As long as you know Christ, that's, Amen. that's what matters, and that's what this whole book's about. Him. In John 3, 16, as long as you know him, and you know that he's your savior, and that he died for you, uh, for your sin, that's what matters. Yeah, man. Amen. It's, it's hard to let things go, and it's hard to, to not wonder sometimes. It's, it's, but being a, a servant of Christ and a follower of Christ doesn't mean you don't have questions. It doesn't mean you don't get in a place where you, you ask the Lord, why? Why is this this way, or why is that that way? Uh, why can't I figure this out? Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be times in your walk with him that's like that. Yeah. There's going to be times. Uh, it, it may be that he don't want you to know. It may be he wants to, to keep your faith stronger. Mm -hmm. It may be he says, wants you to say, Lord, okay, I, I, I can't figure this out. But you told me you'd take care of everything. Amen. So uh, I just I, I don't know why I kept going on about that. But he, he loves us so much that he'll take care of us. Even the things that we don't know about, we're Amen. not sure about, he Amen. takes care of them, too. No, he takes care of them. That's right. And he, he'll always take care of them. Yeah. He loves so much uh, to, to, to see those things uh, that we're worried about and, and give a scripture to back them up. Mm -hmm. And the things that we're unsure of that maybe we haven't figured out yet, he, he takes care of those, too. Uh, I love him. And I enjoy, enjoy her scripture. Uh, she, she asked me before she comes, she said, you don't think this is too girly or sounds like a woman's devotion, do you? I said, no. I said, I said uh, a lot of people see women as, as, as a sensitive uh, person or being a woman is, is, is nurturing and, and a sensitive person. That, you know, and they see men as, as insensitive. Uh, men have insecurities. Men have things they're worried about sure. as much as Amen. women do. It may be different battles for men and women because God created us differently, but we're all fighting the same battle here. Amen. 
we're all fighting the devil and his lies and his, and his trickery. And, and we're all, we all have to fight it the same way, and that's with working it out with God and letting him handle it. Amen. Trusting that he's got it. Amen. So that, that's all I have to say. Anybody else? Yes, you can. And it says, every branch that bears fruit, he purchases it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Amen. You know, if you just let him take control of that, those problems, he can take those away where you can grow new branches to do more for him, to produce that more fruit. Amen. But I do like in the fifth verse, it says, for without me, you can do nothing. That's right. Not only does he take it away, he fills it back in. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Miles. I turn to the verse again. In Psalms 34, 4, it says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me to cancel all my fears. So, I'm always bad about thinking I'm the only one that's feeling this way, or I'm the only one that's going through this, and I know I'm not. But the devil lies to me, makes me feel that way. But if I seek the Lord, he's always Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. I'm going to try to be real quick on my part, the Lord's given me to do. And uh, I'm thankful for everything that's been done and said tonight. And uh, that is, uh, as, as the Lord always seems to do, at least for my eyes, may not be how He gives it to you, but I always see the Lord working on something. He's building something up in us. He's teaching us something. He's growing something. He's always doing something. And, and every time we come in the house of the Lord, I kind of open my eyes my ears and say, Lord, I, I know that you have something just for me. I know you have something for this body of believers, and you have something for each one of them. And so I, I try to pay attention. I don't know. Some of y'all may be too easily distracted. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things the devil can keep you distracted. But I hope you take time when you come into the house of God to listen to him speak to you. Amen. 
Because he's saying something. And he's saying something through the people, through the songs, through the testimony, and through the word. That, and now, now, I like it when I feel it. Brother Mike talked about feeling it. I like when I feel it. Because I know that I'm in the right place. But the direction and the instruction comes between what he's putting in and then what he's churning that up into. Y'all with me on that? Does that yeah. make sense to you? Yeah. That he's going to feed us with the stuff we need. And then that spirit's going to get in there and it's going to work it down deep on the inside. Amen. So I hope tonight that you've been listening as God spoke through his people and he gave them things to say. And each one of you had a part there to play in there. Because I want to show you what the Lord showed me. It's exciting when you get his word and he begins to open it up. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. Now, y'all know this scripture because I preached it to you several times. But I, I'm not going to go any further with it just yet. Now, that, that is the story about the four men toting the corners of the bed to get the, the sick man to Jesus. That's, that's the scripture. Y'all stay right there. But, but I want you to see in the scripture that he had been to Capernaum before. Right. Because it says, and again he entered. Right. In other words, he had already made this trip one time into this group of people. He had already spoken into their lives at least at some point in time. He had already said uh, how he felt about them. He had already said what he had for them. He had already said, here's how you can be free. He had already said to them, here's how to be healed. He had already done some things with the people. Are y'all with me? Notice it says, after some days. Now, I want you to know this, that I would like to say that every battle that you fight, once you fight it with the Lord and whoop it, it's done, and then it won't ever come back up on you again. Yeah. I'd like to say to Keisha, you won't ever doubt it again. I'd like to say that, but the devil's pretty conniving and pretty tricky, and he's pretty persistent. Now, I'm not saying that you won't ever defeat anything in your life. Don't, don't nobody get pessimistic on me all of a sudden and say, well, that must mean I just got to fight this battle forever. That's not true either. The Lord can provide victory, and he can Amen. get you to overcome. But the devil's not ever going to stop That's right. his attack in your life. That's right. You ain't going to get to some mastery level of being a Christian, Come on now. and all of a sudden the devil leaves you alone. But let me say to you tonight that I am so thankful that the Lord, even though He come by that city once before, He didn't say that's the only time He's going to come by and speak on that matter. And it says that He came again. Can I say to you tonight, I'm thankful that the Lord spent some time with Brian again. That He didn't just come by my way one time and say, you better get it now, son. It ain't coming back this way again. But he come by again. If I ask the question across the house tonight, how many of you got saved the first time that he knocked on your heart? I could not raise my hand. And I wonder if many of you could raise your hand. But he come by again. Mm -hmm. Now let's stay with me there in Mark chapter 2 and look at verse 13. If you would. 
In verse 13 it says, and he went forth, uh-oh, again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. Now the first time that he come by again, he began to teach the people, and the Bible teaches us that they thronged to him, that they wanted to hear what he had to say. And we know what happened in the scripture, that he healed a lame man, he forgave the lame man of his sins, and he, listened to me, he honored the Christian people and their faith. That's what he did again the first time. And now here in verse 13, it says that he is again in a place. And this time, he passes by a man by the name of Levi. It says the son of Alphaeus. I, I just put Levi in there. I thought about Brother Levi as I was reading the scripture. And it says that they were sitting there at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And I got to thinking about the times that the Lord has called. And I didn't get up when he called. Amen. But I'm glad he didn't just call one time. I thought about uh, the young man Samuel as he was there with Eli. And Eli was holding his age. And the Lord come by and called. And he got up and come over to, 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 to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. And he said, I didn't call you. Go lay back down. Well, aren't you glad that ain't how the story ends? Because if it is, listen to me, if we don't have no Samuel, we have no David. If we have no David, listen, we have no king. If we have no king, we have no lineage to, uh, for a Savior to be born into. I'm glad that when he called, he didn't stop. The Bible says he called again. And he called again. Can I say that? I'm thankful for the agains in my life. Amen. Because see, there's times when there's doubt and there's fear and there's worry and there's depression and there's, there's feelings of inaccuracy and not enough. And let me just say to you ladies, y'all ain't the only people who feel that way. You ought to be the pastor. Let the devil get a hold of you a little while. Say, so you ain't worth nothing. You ain't any good. They don't like you. They don't love you. He says that to me all the time. <laughs> but again, the Lord comes by my way and he says, you don't have to listen to him. Amen. You just listen to me. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad that the agains come in your life and he don't stop there? Amen. Listen, this right here we're reading in the book of Mark is his, listen to it, it is his work with mankind. Right. right. Think about this now. Right. Look, look, y'all ain't, ain't convinced of it just yet. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Y'all not there with me just yet. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says in Mark's writing, and he entered, uh-oh, again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. Look, it has a good word right here in this, in this story. Y'all know what's going to happen to the withered hand, right? It's going to be healed. But he doesn't just use the word healed. He uses the word restored. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I don't know if any of you have ever gotten a little bit down. Uh, they were making jokes about Levi because he hurt his back and said he's really backslidden. He's way back in and he's backslidden so far. That was Jeremy. I give him credit on that. But it says here that he restored. When did he restore? When he come in again. Well, I'm thankful that the Lord had just left us alone and said we have to, we have to figure it out on our own and, and that's it. 
You don't think he means this? Turn to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. You think that's a you think it's just a coincidence. That's just maybe the way that Mark writes, but it just seems like it won't go away in chapter five. In verse 21, it says, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. I want you to know in Mark chapter 5, verse 21, we find two things happen. We find the woman with the issue of blood, and we find Jairus' daughter. Y'all know what remember what happened to Jairus' daughter? She was sick. Jesus was on his way to see her when he got stopped by the woman with the issue of blood. And he had to handle that situation before he could get into this situation. And then it says uh, that when they got there, uh, they said in verse 35, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Do you know sometimes the devil tells you yeah, he's got you so low, he's got you so wore out, that you just might as well quit worrying about it, give up? That's right. But you know Jesus is an again kind of God. And not only is it again kind of God, he's an again kind of God that does the impossible. That scripture says that he did things that nothing else had done. It says, one, this woman had had this issue for all her life, and she had searched everywhere for an answer. You know what the medical community would have said? They said, there's no hope. We can't do anything about it. We've done all that we know today. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know some people that's been to doctors and had situations, and the doctor said, there's no answers here. There's no more hope. Do you know when that's a good opportunity? It's a good opportunity for Jesus to, again, show that he's still God and that he's still able. I'll give you one more place in Mark chapter 7, verse 31. The scripture tells us one more time. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of the Capitals. Look at verse 32. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. I don't know if any of you have ever had this problem, but when you start letting the devil tell you what you are, he don't just show you that one thing's wrong. He says, and then there's another thing. And then there's another thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Jesus shows us by his words again and again and again that that's not a problem for him. The Bible says that as he took him aside from the multitude, put his finger into his ears and his spit, touched his tongue and looking up to heaven, listen, he's He sighed. Did y'all see that? Verse 34 says, In looking up to heaven, he sighed. What's a sigh mean? Uh, Why do y'all sigh? Is is it aspiration? I'm just so exasperated about this whole situation. I'm tired. Really? Weary? Relate? Or maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, with the children. 
with the children because I just hadn't learned yet, right? Just God love them. Amen. Y'all stay with me just a minute here. He says, and he looked up to heaven. Who was he looking at? They ain't but one up to heaven that's gonna do anything. That's God the Father. He said, God, would you just help me with it one more time? And he sighed, again. I'm here to help them. Lord, I'm here to overcome. God, Father, would you help me just one more time? Help them with the situation. It says that he sighed and he saith unto Ephrathah, he says that is, be open. Can I say that there's not anything in your life that's stopped up that the Lord can't open? There's not anything in your life that's impossible that He can't make possible. There's not anything in your life that seems like the calling is off place or off put that He had called right. There's not anything in your life that He can't forgive. There's not anything in your life that He cannot heal. There's not anything in your life that's dead that He cannot raise from the dead. There's not anything Glory to God. that He cannot do. Amen. And He'll do it again. Amen. And again. And again. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you a quick story. I heard part of it. I didn't get to catch the whole story, so I went and looked it up because I wanted to hear it, and I wanted to read it, and I wanted to know more about it. There was a, a, a professor at a Christian college. His name, I looked it up, was Do Dr. J. Edwin Orr. And he was a he was famous at this college for teaching. He liked to teach on revival and evangelism. That was his two major topics, I believe, if I understand correctly. He took a trip to England, and he took some students with him. It was like a field trip. They were going to this special place. It was actually to the house or home of John Wesley. And John Wesley, major part in in the Christian development and where we are today, he had a major impact, was a part of a major revival in England. And so they went to his home. And they toured the house and walked through the house, went all the place to the house, but they went up to his bedroom where his bed sat. And according to the story, that there were two worn out patches on the floor where John Wesley would kneel by his bed and he would pray. And he would talk to the Lord. Some people say that he had this practice that he would do it for hours each day. I do not know that. But I know that there were two worn impressions there by the bed. So they had went through the house. They had seen all the things. And so then it said... You know, that's where he would pray. And, and so he showed the students that's where he prayed for revival for England. And then they all left to go get on the bus. And they got on the bus and they did a head count. And they noticed that one was missing. So Dr. Orr got off the bus, went back into the house. He goes into the house. And he starts going through the rooms. And as he's going up the stairs, he hears a sound. And so he, he realizes by the time he gets to the bedroom that the missing individual is in that room. He walks into the room, and there he finds the student kneeling on the floor in the same spot where John Wesley prayed for revival. 
for England. And, and the young man is praying, Oh Lord, do it again. Oh Lord, do it again. Amen. Dr. Orr goes over, puts his hand on the shoulder, says, Son, it's time for us to leave. We've got to get on the bus. And Billy Graham got up and walking down on the bus. Can I say to you today that the Lord is the Lord who does the healing? Yes, He is. The, the thing is, we just don't take time to ask Him. Amen. We don't get serious enough with Him to say, God. Amen, brother. Listen, they, they said this. Uh, both these men testified about what happens in the morning. Do you know what happens in the morning? Again. Yeah. You get up and say, Lord, today again, right. would you give me what I stand in need of? Yeah. Lord, would you use me today like you didn't use me before? He testified about talking to people. Now you know what he's talking about? He's talking about doing it one more time, Lord, yeah. would you again? Amen. Listen, there's no reason that the Lord can't use us again. There's no reason that he can't overcome the sin in our life. Amen. Again, there's no reason that we can't get uh, more than we had uh, yesterday because he'll do it again. Amen. And that's what we've got. We've got to be willing uh, to get on our hands and knees and say, Lord, do it again. We know what Billy Graham went on to do and to become. I watched a documentary about his life and and I was fascinated with the places he was able to preach in. Do you know he preached in Times Square? New York City, Times Square. Billy Graham preached mm -hmm. there to hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. You can imagine what happened right now if somebody went there right now yeah. to preach to people the gospel. They'd run them off the street. They'd throw them in jail. They'd do something. Right? But the Lord could do it again. In South Korea... South Korea, Billy Graham preached to over a million people. And listen, they weren't in an auditorium. They weren't in a stadium. They built a giant place for him to preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And they stood for miles to hear the word of God. Because somebody was willing to get on their knees and say, Lord, do it again. Amen. What happens if we at Mount Moriah get honest and earnest with God and say, Lord, do it again. And it can be me. Do it again, Lord. This God, this Christ, this Jesus can do it again. He can. He preached in India. He preached all over the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why? Because he was an amazing speaker. Most of his speeches, they have went back, taken every word, and say they're on a fourth, <coughs> gra fourth grade reading level. They're not eloquent. They're not written with fancy words. Most of his messages were not long and drawn out. Most of them were really short. Why? What happened? The Lord did it. Amen. Again. Amen. He can do it again today. Mm -hmm. If we just give ourselves to him. These things right here, Lord do it again. That's right. He can do it again. Mm -hmm. 
You got fears and worries? Oh, well, he's in the business of taking care of those. You got places you don't feel like enough? Oh, he's in the business of taking care of that. You got shortcomings right now? You can't pay your bills. He's in the business. Amen. Of paying bills. Amen, he is. I'm not kind of. John said he changed my path. Yeah. Y'all hear that? Listen, I, I just up here just listened to what the Lord was saying. He said, that was the place that I worked and they got a job right now. But I got a job. Why? Because the Lord is in the business of doing it again. And he did it again for you. Amen. How do you get that? Ask him. Get on your knees. Ask him. Amen. Talk to him. Say, Lord, do it again for me. Lord, I know I'm not nothing. And I'm not much, but would you just do it one more time again in my life? And he'll do it again. Anybody got anything you need to do or say? We're about to have a song and a time of prayer. Maybe you need to ask him to do something again in your life. Anybody got anything you need to do or say? I'll get a verse of song if you don't mind.